What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, we've got an amazing guest. He started off building a single family home portfolio as a side business, then has moved into bigger multifamily deals and syndications. Now he's got a portfolio that he's involved in of, I think, over 4,000 homes. I mean, it's, it's a big number, 4,000 doors. He's teaching other people how to do it. Welcome to the Hyperfast Wealth Show, Lane Kuwaka. Welcome to the show, Lane. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Aloha, everybody. Yeah, I'm excited, and I. By the way, I like uh, like that background you got going on there. All those different pictures. You got the simplepassivecashflow.com. Uh, pretty cool. Thanks, thanks. Gonna make it look like I have friends, right? I want to stay people with no friends. Well, I'm sure you got lots of friends, and uh, you know, as I said in the intro, you got lots of houses too. So why don't you give our listeners today a little bit of a background on who you who you who you where you are now with uh I think it was 11 cash flowing assets homes yeah so currently today um i own 42 now 4500 rental properties mostly apartments these days that we buy okay. you know, a couple hundred or bigger so we're kind of buying them in clumps but um yeah didn't always start out with that I started investing back in 2009 with a single family home in Seattle. Uh, this is all while I was working the engineering day job. I was kind of one of these guys, you know, I call the linear path, right? Our parents taught us to go to school, study hard, work this job for 40, 50 years, buy a house to live in. So that's what I did, right? I was like a good little boy. And I just started renting it out, 2,200 bucks a month. And the mortgage was sixteen hundred, and that's where it all started. I was like, "Wow, I like this cash flow thing." So that was that was your first home, and then now you said uh, a couple thousand units, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just vanity metrics, to be honest, right? Yeah. But, you know, how can we help out? Let's talk today how we can kind of get people going. For a lot of people, they don't even have one or a few rentals yet. Yeah, so for the real estate agent out there or the investor starting out, you know, what would you tell them? What's the best way to get started out? Like they're they're not going to go out and buy a hundred unit building, most likely. Um, maybe right. maybe they could be like an investor in it or something like that. But you know, how do they start out if they want to do it themselves and and start getting cash flow on on you know real estate assets that that they own and control? Yeah. So the first thing is you know buying in the right places. So I. I'm not a big fan of buying in primary markets like California, Seattle, Hawaii, New York, Boston. I kind of stick to places where we can get the 1% rent-to-value ratio, not in war zone type of areas. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, rent-to-value ratio is you take the month rent divided by purchase price. That's the, what you're looking for is 1% or higher. So for a lot of folks like myself, you know, if you live on the West Coast, just not going to be able to get access to these types of properties so we have to go to places like birmingham atlanta indianapolis kansas city little rock memphis uh, so that's what i kind of did for my first half of my investing career you know around 2015 i had 11 rentals in birmingham atlanta indianapolis pennsylvania 
And uh, yeah, it's a uh, no, no tricks, no games here. I mean, I had a good paying job and for people listening, you gotta make money first. You need that 20% down payment. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part of this. And were you, were you starting off with single families in all of these different markets or, or were you going, you know, multi or how, how obviously you I, identified some places that met that 1% criteria, right? So that meant if you, if you spend a hundred grand on the property, you were getting a thousand in uh, monthly rent minimum. Um, but what did that look like? Was it single families or, or what was the mix? Yeah, I, I had a duplex in there, but for the most part, single family homes, because Although, you know, duplexes, triplexes, or quads, they seem to cash flow better on paper, but the resale value on the single-family homes as you parlay into bigger deals, syndications, and private placements later, it's way better on single-family homes, right? Because you can sell it, as we all know, to an emotional buyer, whereas a duplex, triplex, or quad, or something bigger, you're selling it to another cheapskate investor. So that's kind of the, you know, you got to have that end game in mind where you're selling that asset eventually. Um, so, how, you know, how did you manage, or, or, or before we get to that even, how did you find the deals and how did you manage them being that they weren't in your backyard, they weren't in your geographic area? A lot of people, I think, struggle with that concept of it's, it's not where I am you know, every day or close by, how do, I, how do I find it? How do I manage it? How do I know if it's a good deal? All that good stuff. Yeah, so I started with this thing called like a turnkey rental. I think you kind of you can Google it out there. There's a lot of different def definitions of this term, but basically a rehabber will go in, they'll buy a piece of junk property, fix it up with brand new, you know, major components like the new roof, new appliances, new flooring, plumbing, electrical, and they'll kind of make it more rent ready as opposed to you know it won't have granite countertops, you know, it won't be in the best school districts, but It'll be good rental stock for a good class B or maybe low class B tenant. And you as the end buyer can buy this thing as a turnkey rental. And sometimes they'll even put in the tenant there for you. So it's truly turnkey or I call it, you know, turnkey rentals, you know, kind of like tricycle, right? Like, uh, you know, training wheels. Uh, but yeah, I initially started out with that a little bit and then, you know, figured out what the heck was was happening and I built relationships with property managers and that's the key is the property managers that are kind of help you to you know verify what the rents on these properties remotely and you know most of us we don't visit the properties that's not really practical right because our highest and best use is either at our day jobs or for a lot of you guys you know selling houses turning and burning at your active stuff yeah, so I think, you know, our, our real estate team is based in Washington, D.C. area. We've got a lot of agents that follow us there, a lot that follow us from California, too. So a lot of them, anyway, are in, you know, high, high price markets. And those are great for appreciation. Those are great for, obviously, commission checks. Uh, not as great, probably, for meeting this 1% rule. It's, it's probably more like a half percent in... Uh, you know, in, in some of these right, right. places. I mean, that's the arbitrage you got to play, right? I mean, pe people make a lot of good money in these high price areas, but take the money and arbitrage it somewhere else where you're getting better rent to value ratio or cash flow. Yeah. So if you were starting out, if you could go, you know, put yourself back to where you were uh, 10 years ago and, and you had 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever to invest, 
what city, what area would you go into right now? Uh, you know, I mean, like, like I said, from that list, Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Little Rock, you really can't go wrong, right? At that point, it's more who do you work with and trust, right? I mean, you can work with a marketer who basically just, you know, pumps up the value of the property. Uh, and I kind of talk about this in the first, you know, six podcasts, because that's what I used to do back then personally. Uh, but yeah, that's the start. If you're just starting out and your net worth is under a quarter million, pick up some single family homes. That's, that's what I did for my first five, six years. But if you're more, you know, you're more of an accredited investor, your net worth is higher than I'd say half a million, you know, maybe you can skip right over the, the rental property you should dig and go right to private placements and syndications. But you know, it depends well, where you are. Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Do you have a client that needs to buy or sell a home in the DMV area? Then why not trust the highest selling team in the DMV? The Carrie Scholl team. We've helped thousands of buyers and sellers and would love to help your clients. And we guarantee we will save them time, money, and stress throughout the process. And they will be so grateful that you referred them to us. Go to carriescholl.com to learn more. Again, that's carriescholl.com to learn more about sending us your clients that need to buy or sell a home in the DMV area. That's carryshull.com. Yeah, let's talk about that. So uh, obviously the the agent just starting out, a little bit of down payment money, go find that single family home in one of these markets, right? Uh, what if you're a successful agent making a couple hundred grand a year in commissions? You know, maybe you've got over a million of investable assets. Uh, maybe you already own a couple single families as well. Uh, where where should they be looking today? Should they be looking at syndications? Should they be looking to do their own multifamily? You know, what would your advice be to that person? Well, it ultimately comes down to what's your highest and best use, right? I mean, if you're a successful agent, you're probably pretty decent at business and entrepreneurship, but ultimately you got to figure out what your highest and best use is. For a lot of my clients, I got a lot of doctors, lawyers, successful business guys, their business of what they do is going to, you know, kind of takes precedence and as opposed to rebooting themselves as a multifamily operator. So you got to take that into account. I mean, there's a myriad of guys will take your third grand and train you in like half a 5% success rate. But, you know, for a lot of the guys over one and a half million, you might be already pretty dang close to end game. Why reboot? You know, just keep selling houses. You're doing what you're doing to get there maybe in the next few years. But, um, you know, Kind of going back to like my story, like I had 11 rentals in 2015, you know, I had a few hundred bucks of cash flow per property, not including the mortgage pay down, the tax benefits and the property appreciation. Um, that's, that's pretty good, right? I mean, who doesn't want a few hundred bucks and 11 rentals, that's like, you know, a few grand per month, but that's not enough, right? I don't know what American family can survive, especially in the East Coast or California on three grand a month. So with for people who don't own a bunch of rentals, just to give you a little picture, again, I had professional property management to do deal with all my headaches, but with 11 rentals, we had maybe an eviction or two a year, some kind of big catastrophe, like a tree falling on the house or some kind of winter or hurricane storm, you know, affecting the property, maybe like once every quarter for 11 rentals, something big, um, which is totally manageable. Right. But if you want 10 grand of passive income, you're going to multiply that number by 
threes. You know, you're talking about eviction every other month. It's a kind of big catastrophe every other week. And as you can see, it becomes very unscalable. And as your properties appreciate, you know, the name of the game is not paying down your properties. Who wants to do that? That's, that's old school, right? That doesn't work. You need to always be moving your equity into the next asset, right? Monitoring your return on equity. And with 1130 rentals, that's impractical. You'll just make your lender buddy rich doing that type of stuff with friction costs, and origination fees. So this is where I started to join different masterminds and get around higher net worth investors. And all, all they were doing was investing in private placements and syndications. And they all, you know, kind of laughed at the days when they were buying little dinky single family homes. So did you, did you go down that path? Did you start, start getting involved in uh, syndications and, and private placements? Yeah, it took me about a year and a half to kind of wrap my head around it. Cause you know, it's the whole thing like, well, I'm doing this, it's working. You know, I know how to buy them. I know who to work with. I got my property management team. I know how to do it. But like to kind of switch and pivot takes a little bit, right? Like if you've got a good forearm and tennis, trying the backhand is hard, right? Why do it? You're kicking everyone's butt. Um, so it's kind of one of those deals, but yeah, I eventually started to go into syndications and private placements as my network grew in that area. And it truly is a very big reboot. You're not talking to, you know, contractors, flippers, wholesalers, all the cast of characters you did in your first half of your life are totally non-existent in the other one. It, when you're a syndication accredited investor, the name of the game is finding good sponsors to work with and other pure passive accredited investors. And quite frankly, a lot of these guys aren't at your local RIA or on free online forums, right? That's not where rich people, accredited, sophisticated investors hang out. So what, uh, so you were going into these deals as, as a limited partner then, correct? Yeah, at first I was just, you know, LP, wanted to see, kind of see how it is inside. But, you know, because my podcast was so popular, um, a lot of people just kind of wanted to follow me, you know, like Whale Watch. So... That's when I kind of got more involved in the operation side. And today, you know, yeah, 4,500 units, I think over 30 deals we've done. Um, a few of a bunch of them have gone full cycle now, but, uh, but yeah, just, you know, trying to pick up good stabilized assets with good Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac debt that are cash flowing day one and a little bit of value add, you know, four to $6,000 a unit, changing out the flooring, new appliances, just getting that $100, $150 rent bump is kind of the business plan. And are you, are you putting, are you putting the, the deals together and, and helping, you know, with the syndication and, and, uh, you know, all, all that stuff now? Yeah. Yeah. Typically, typically me, it's me and just one other guy. Um, I'm not on the acquisition side. I don't interact very well with brokers. So typically my partner does that and then kind of tag team on, no bringing in investors and then operating it once we we get them into the into the deal. We and use third-party property management, but you know our role is asset managers, kind of steering the ship. What uh, markets are you are you looking in now for for the assets that you're? Yeah, so just like when you're buying single-family homes, it's all the red states, right? Um, not not to say anything politically, but. You know, I want to invest in places where I have the laws on my side as the landlord. Uh, next, you know, red states typically are a little bit economic growth focus. And, and most times, you know, the, the general population trend is moving towards the south or the sun belt. 
So the states that I personally target are like Arizona, Texas, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Um, a few other ones out there I think that are good are like the Carolinas and Florida. You know, I think out of those six states, I mean, those six states are going to probably kick the butt of the rest of the nation any day of the week. Yeah, I, I know uh, a lot of people that are in the multifamily space that are pretty much only in the southeast and or you know maybe over into Arizona but uh, that it seems to be you know going to where there's low taxes good laws and uh, and good weather <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I don't know you know you either look at the population growth or like employer growth you know those are two indicators but I think what really is the the, the data indicator is just pure rent growth per year which is very trackable you know the, that's just one metric that you can very quickly just look up and see where everybody's moving to. Do you still own the uh, original single family homes, by the way? Um, I sold a lot of them off in okay. 2018. Um, you, know, the, you know, I didn't pay any taxes on that because in these larger syndication deals, you do cost segregation. So you get this huge glut of passive activity losses which I use to offset the capital gain and depreciation recapture. So I don't know why anybody does 1031 exchanges. To me, they're totally obsolete with bonus, with current forest depreciation laws. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, and the, other, the other point too, just to make for real estate agents listening is most real estate agents are, are able to um, really benefit from cost seg because for accounting purposes, they're actually labeled as you know a real estate professional yeah so, well it, so, they, it, so they can actually get their active income <laughs> written off if, if they buy big enough you know rental assets yeah it, it's a little tricky right like you can't, just can't sell houses and now use your passive activity losses to offset your ordinary income you're going to also need 750 hours of active participation in your portfolio but yeah, I work with a lot of my you know clients to kind of work that picture with them so that they can get a game plan so that they can go into the CPA's office and have that guy check the box for them. I mean, you guys need to be empowered to figure out how to do this on your own. It's not a strategy. It's not a discussion between you and your CPA. That's for sure. Most CPAs are pretty clueless on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, their, their role is to kind of you know, I always say you, you go meet people like you or learn at conferences or events and then like bring the ideas back to your CPA and just make sure you're doing it in a way that's going to keep you out of trouble. But yeah, there's, there's yeah. certainly most of them anyway, aren't going to bring you the, the, the good tax saving strategies uh, from, from what I've seen. Right, right. I mean, it makes no sense, right? When I was an engineer, I always did it the easiest way. I don't blame them. I mean, but then again, that's why they still have a job, right? They don't yeah. really do this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this has been great. Uh, you know, I love your story. I love what you've been doing with passive income. I know uh, you've got to run soon. Um, before we wrap up, though, I always love doing the uh, hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Here we go, man. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor? Focus on cash flow. Most people focus on a buying low, sell high appreciation. To me, that easy come, easy go. Now, granted, it's real estate, so the damn thing typically goes up. But you know, 
prudent cash flow, I think, is the, the sound way to build wealth. And at least that's how I did it. All right. What would you tell an experienced real estate investor? Uh, your network is your net worth. Um, make sure you have the right people around you. And you know, finding other accredited investors is probably one of the most difficult things out there because they're not at the local RIA. They're not trolling some free internet form. They're not at some happy hour with a bunch of bros, right? People who are accredited have busy lives. They have a family, but you got to strive to find those, that type of community. Yeah, that's uh, certainly true. What's the biggest challenge you've ever had in your business and how did you overcome it? Um, I mean, I think the frustrating thing with my strategy just takes a while, right? Cash flow is slow. It's not. It's not like appreciation where you can go, you know, your money grows 10 to 20% a year. Um, granted, we're doing forced appreciation these days. So it's a little, little bit different. But when I was starting out, you know, it's really slow and, you know, just, but, you know, it's like not get rich quick thing, this cash flow stuff, but it's a get rich surely thing. All right. What, uh, what are you most excited about investing wise in 2021? Um, we went through a freaking pandemic last year and cap rates for multifamily assets stayed the same. Kind of went up a little bit. We, we collected 97% of the rents normally. It didn't really drop. And that's why we're investing in workforce housing. I mean, what happens when some, you know, some of these like Fannie Mae's estimated GDP growth 5% this next quarter and 7% Q3, Q4. I mean, shoot. If now's not the, all the signal to like get in now, you guys need to wake up because you're probably going to miss one of the biggest bull markets we've ever seen. If you didn't already miss 2012 and 2016. <laughs> yeah, especially when inflation eventually kicks in. Uh, so I, I agree with you 100%. Last question, where do you see yourself five years from now? I don't know, just probably doing the same thing, picking up you know, some cash flowing assets with a little bit of value add and keep on rolling. And maybe I'll have some different hobbies by then. Maybe I might learn how to surf or something, or I'll probably just get one of those electric surfboards. So I don't have to learn. Yeah. Those are pretty, those are pretty cool. I love, love seeing those. Um, well, it's been great. You've had a lot to offer on, on how to build up cash flow assets, whether you're a beginner, whether you're, you know, veteran or, or anywhere in between. So I appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about what you do, invest in what you're doing, any of that good stuff, what are the best ways for them to do that? Yeah, they can go to uh, my website, simplepassivecashflow.com. Uh, I got my podcast on iTunes and Google Play, Simple Passive Cashflow, Passive um, Income, I think it's called. Uh, but yeah, email address, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. All right, simplepassivecashflow.com. That's the place to go to connect with Lane. Uh, once again, thank you for being on the show and to all our listeners and viewers out there, thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.